the world promises you comfort, but you were not made for comfort. You were made for greatness. You aren't some random person. The reality is, God has already made you his own son or daughter. He made you for something extraordinary. You are a literal son or daughter of a living God. This is Christ's New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. Good evening and welcome to this episode of Christ's New Generation here on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. From July 22nd and 24th, I had the opportunity to go to the Steubenville Conference up at Carthage College called Steubenville on the Lake. While there, I had the ability to speak with some of the speakers there, that being Paul George, Sean Forrest, and Nick Frank. We discussed a variety of different topics that, that occurred while at the conference and just some things that uh, the speakers took out of it. So here are some of the interviews that I had with them, starting off with Paul George, the co-founder of Adora Ministries and the campus ministry director at the University of Louisiana. We're having a remote broadcast here in the Vendor Center at the Carthage College for the Steubenville Conference of Steubenville on the Lake, and I'm wonderfully joined by the host, Paul George. Paul, how are you doing? Great to be with you, man. It's been a great experience for me. I've been to multiple of these conferences, and the real point of these is, is to make disciples in the young youth, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's really reaching the young church, evangelizing youth of our country, and helping them to become disciples of Jesus Christ. So how has this conference gone uh, thus far in its 41st summer of of these conferences? Yeah, it's 40 years of these conferences, and the youth conferences really over the past 20 years have spread all around the country. In Canada, there's now 23 youth conferences in a summer. So you think between June, July, uh, there's going to be 23 conferences over 53,000 young people will attend a conference just this summer so you think of the impact that these conferences are having on the church is quite amazing and then to have a new conference here in Wisconsin here on the lake has been fascinating it's just a great venue great conference and great group of people yeah and it's just quite an outreach just reaching all of these young teens and one of the things that focus that's focused at these conferences is these topics of faith. What types of talks are discussed at these conferences? Well, there's, you know, it varies. There's different topics. So they have the sort of the main keynote talks on Friday night and Saturday night and then uh, on Sunday. And then there'll be different breakout sessions on various topics from what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to grow deeper in your faith? From topics to what are, what are some of the most asked questions about Catholicism? So learning more about the faith. There's a, there's a session on homosexuality and the church's teaching on that. So some of the relevant topics on on moral topics that are that are out there that kids are really wanting to know about are important to cover. So definitely I know that one of the big things for me was Father Mike Schmitz had a kick butt talk a couple of years ago on the proof of God. So it was, it was one heck of a conversation that I heard. But very communal spirit that you have among these young Catholics. From the speaker standpoint 
how wonderful is it to look upon all these young kids just being rejuvenated in their faith life? It's really cool, and it's really what <clears throat> empowers me in my ministry and the work that I do is to see all these young people active in their faith. Of course, we have a great team of speakers. Sean Forrest, who's here this weekend, he's probably one of those speakers who have the biggest biceps ever. And a guy named Nick Frank, up and coming, probably one of the most famous speakers we have. So uh, for all of us as a team, Father Mike Schmidt, Sister Miriam, uh, Mitchell, who are all here this weekend, it really empowers us in our faith to see the young church alive. Especially Big Swole, uh, Mr. Sean Yeah, that's Forrest. his new name this weekend. Some <laughs> My friend actually said that. So, so, was, yeah. was that your friend? <laughs> so he just yells out in the crowd, yeah. giving uh, Sean his new name, Big Swole. Yeah. But uh, one of the most powerful experiences at these conferences is the Eucharistic adoration. Uh, and for many people, that's the turning point in their faith. And it really is just something to see Christ our Lord in the physical presence, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, adoration is something that uh, as Catholics we're privileged to have that form of worship, to have the Eucharist. Of course, we have it at all of our parishes back home, whether it be 24-hour adoration or if it's just adoration uh, in our church here and there. But these conferences uh, are built around the Catholic faith and the Eucharist. So this specific weekend, we have adoration on Friday night, and then we have a longer adoration on Saturday night to end the evening session on Saturday. And it is this powerful moment of just being in, in the presence of the Lord and surrendering everything to the Lord. And, and so oftentimes, many people have significant conversion experiences during those prayer times. Oh, yeah. I know plenty of my friends who've been even converted in the faith, gone from Protestant denominations to the Catholic faith, just because of how powerful it is. Uh, But to wrap up this interview with you, Paul, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about how Franciscan University contributes to these conferences? So Franciscan University at Steubenville is actually a university in Steubenville, Ohio, where these conferences started. And the mission of the university is really to to send out people to evangelize the world. You know, it's got a really good Catholic education, but also one that, that really prepares people for ministry. And so out of that, these conferences sort of sprang forth. And so the partnership is with Franciscan University of Steubenville. At, in every city, there's a local partner that they come together to put on these conferences mm-hmm. to reach the young people of the church. And it's really been a great partnership with Franciscan and every local site because every site this year has been sold out, which has wow. been phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Know that. So that just shows you how big of an outreach that these conferences truly do have on the youth. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for joining me. It's been a wonderful interview. Absolutely. Uh, keep rocking the house on the stage, right? Yeah, you too, man. Great being with you today. Thanks for all your work uh, with the radio, and uh, I'll be praying for you. Definitely. All thank right. you very much. God bless. Very much. Prayers are vastly appreciated for our station. Hang with us here. we got a couple of other speakers that we're going to talk to. Following the interview I had with the host of the conference, I was able to get an interview with an up-and-coming speaker, Nick Frank, who is a member of Adore Ministries. We just heard a great talk from the host of the conference, Paul George, and we're now joined by Nick Frank, another one of the speakers. Nick, how you doing? Great, man. It's been a great weekend. It's good to be here. So you can just feel the energy wherever you go. We're sitting right here in the 
kind of where the vendor marketplace is, and there's just energy all around. It's It's been amazing, even from the kickoff last night, just the energy that this conference has. Uh, I mean, every conference is unique, but this conference, this group of kids just brought the energy from the first night, so be exciting to see what God does tonight, how the kids respond. I mean, it's it's been amazing so far. Why don't we dive in a little bit to some of the topics that are being discussed during the conference. During this conference, what are some of the topics that a lot of people are bringing up? For, as far as the kids? Yeah, or I mean, like kind of the topics that uh, the speakers talk about. Speakers are talking about, yeah. So we, we're really diving into this idea of, of God's thirst for us and our thirst for something greater. And and so often we, we take our thirst, our desires for uh, something bigger than ourselves, and we try to satisfy ourselves with, with things of this world, of, of natural things. And no matter what that is, whether it's good or bad, whether it's sinful or even positive, uh, when we try to fill a supernatural desire with a natural element or natural experience, we're always going to be left unsatisfied. And so the, all the talks are kind of circling around this idea of, of Christ saying, I thirst for you, and that his thirst meets our thirst. And it's the only time that we can really become satisfied. When when his desires meet our desires is when we meet our destiny. And so throughout this weekend, we're trying just to walk the teens through this process of understanding the, the deeper desires of their heart, the deeper thirst, and uh, allowing God's thirst to encounter them there. Because as much as we thirst for something more, God thirsts for us all the greater. And so really just this whole weekend is, is just about a slow conversion, whether this is your fifth conference or your first conference of allowing our hearts to to be transformed and uh, just to be immersed in, in God's ocean of mercy and love for us. So Beautifully said, and I especially like that point of trying to fill natural entities with our supernatural holes that we have in our soul. But uh, the topic that you talk a lot on, you did the men's session, I was there, it was a kick-butt talk. Thanks. Why don't you kind of just give us a little overview of uh, what was discussed? Sure, yeah, we just got out of a great men's session, uh, I don't know, a thousand, thousand young men there, and really the, the heart of the men's session that we try, I try to really communicate is so often we hear men's sessions and we want to focus on the issues that we face in the time, which there are a lot. I mean, there's so much coming against young manhood and, and men today. But what I was really trying to convey throughout this, the men's talk was the, the struggles that we face, they're just the symptoms of a lack of identity. They're, they're the symptoms that when we fall to pornography, we fall to uh, sexual sin, we fall to bullying or are, are tempted just to misuse our strength in whatever way. Our desires, our, our thirst for Christ are, are being numbs, emasculated through through these imitations of, of his desire for what it is to be man or to be a man and and so we really just kind of talked about moving past the symptoms and allowing our identity as, as adopted sons of Christ to really determine where we go that that our position as sons should determine the practices as opposed to many things in this world where if we think we practice, 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 we'll get that starting spot or we practice, 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 it'll determine our position in the school or whatever. So what I was trying to convey is that in the men's session that our, our practices don't convey our position when it comes to our identity in Christ, but rather our identity instilled in us in baptism, our position should determine our practices as, as men of God. And so with that, you know, we just talked about uh, forming authentic brotherhood, having accountability, daily prayer life, walking with the Lord, uh, walking with each other, and, and just really striving to, to carry his love uh, with our strength, with our hearts, uh, to all the world. So 
One of the points you'd mentioned is accountability, and I think that's one of the biggest things that men need to realize, whether it's dealing with pornography, whether it's staying chaste, whether it's staying out of bad social situations, or even just keeping up a healthy life of daily prayer, having people who hold you accountable, whether it be parents, whether it be siblings, or most of all your friends, that contributes a lot into how our faith life with Christ is. Absolutely. I mean, I can't say that enough. It's just... No man can be an island. I mean, I'm 31, so I definitely am learning a little bit from my experience, getting slightly older and just realizing I can't do this alone. Like the, It's like the older I get, the, the more I'm able to admit my weaknesses and allowing my brothers in Christ and uh, the people that God's brought into my life to, to carry me further and, and to carry me when I'm weak and to push me to the cross. And I'm so thankful for the guys who hold me accountable. Certainly, that's great. And kind of a little bit of an aspect that you kind of combined was a, a humility aspect, knowing that I need people to hold me accountable. I need people to push me towards God because I can't do it on my own. And as we all know, the worst of the seven deadly sins is pride. Yep. Yeah, and I've just been, God's been showing me a lot about humility over this summer and just throughout the last few weeks and just realizing just simply that allowing ourselves to be humble, allowing our hearts to be humble, doesn't really take away from uh, any gifts that God has given us or, or our identity or our strengths. It's, but our humility just allows our plans to subside, to give way to God's plans. And as I've struggled to, to fight against pride and to allow my heart to be humbled before the Lord, just how much joy there is in thinking more about Him and less about me. So coming into manhood, all these young men you know, struggling against the world right now, uh, humility is probably think, one of their greatest... Uh, greatest assets to really bring into the battle, bring into the trenches with them. So it's huge. Beautiful. Well, we've got about to- uh, time for about one more question. Why don't you tell us what else you're kind of expecting for in the conference, knowing that tonight's the night, cry night. <laughs> cry night. This is the night where Jesus makes everyone cry. Yeah. You know, what I'm really hoping for, 2,500 kids here, whatever, this weekend, I want these kids just to have a a a positive experience of Christ, meaning that that there's there's a joy here this weekend that that they can't experience at a football camp or they can't experience at home watching Netflix or at a Starbucks. There's something going to be uniquely special that they encounter. Obviously, you and I know that that's the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. We know that, that God has huge plans for everyone here. But I think that my my goal simply, my, my hope, my prayer is that they have just a, an authentic encounter with this love that would break down the walls so that the youth ministers and the chaperones and the priests and the people who are really doing the the day-to-day work in the trenches with these kids can really foster that discipleship, foster that relationship with Christ. And so, you know, I always tell, I'm a youth minister full-time, I always tell my core team, our number one goal in ministry is to have fun. And that sounds heretical in some ways, and people are like, no, it should be like to present the gospel in its fullness. That's our number two goal. I would say our number two goal is more important than our number one, but if kids aren't having fun, they're not going to be open to actually hearing the gospel in its fullness and in boldness and in relevance. And so I'm watching all these kids in the marketplace. I'm seeing them laughing. I'm seeing them running. And I think that that's just so such a joyful and great opportunity and such a great place for these kids to be at. So that tonight when we have Eucharistic Adoration, we have our Saturday night keynote, uh, we keep moving throughout the weekend, that that all of these this downtime, all this fun, all this laughter is just going to be fostering within their heart, preparing the soil for God to really come in, plant the seeds, change hearts, convert lives, and really move people uh, to grow and and walk with him towards building his kingdom here in, in Milwaukee and in the Midwest. So 
Yeah. Wonderfully said. Well, thank you very much, Nick yeah. Frank, My for pleasure. joining me. This, is, this has been an awesome interview, so keep kicking butt Trying up on it. the stage. And uh, always pray, always pray uh, that one out to the listeners. Uh, always pray for the youth that could be coming to these conferences that are kind of pondering it. But uh, nonetheless, we've got one more speaker. We're going to try and fit Sean Forrest in here. After a marvelous interview with Nick Frank, I caught up with Sean Forrest, an author, speaker, and musician who has founded Moving with the Spirit, an organization that dedicates itself to spreading the truth and love of God, as well as founding Haiti 180, an organization that builds houses in Haiti. Welcome back. Well, we're continuing this segment here at the Steubenville on the Lake Conference, and I'm joined wonderfully by Sean Forrest, also known as Big Swole. <laughs> <laughs> that just started, man. Nobody calls me that, but I'll take it. My my friend actually, who was sitting next to me, That's the yelled that out. It, out. it just it just basically means that you're buff. So okay, well, take it take I it as a compliment. I felt so embarrassed. Big Swole, I'm like, what's that mean? Right. <laughs> Dude, I'm old. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there you go. A little bit of a little bit of hip talk in there. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you're doing uh, during the conference? Well, I gave a keynote last night on the thirst that we have for God, and we try to quench that thirst through all kinds of things in the world, and nothing ever really quenches except for God's love. Today I'll be doing a, key, uh, a workshop on like kind of defending the faith, answering questions that people have about Catholicism, like what's the deal with purgatory, um, why do we go to confession, all those kinds of questions. And that's kind of my role here. And one of the aspects you'd involved uh, in your keynote talk yesterday on Friday, you talked a little bit about your faith journey, and it is uh, one extravagant and quite entertaining journey to listen to. Yeah, it was a wild ride. Thank God for God, because, boy, I was pretty lost. Mm -hmm. You know, money, the, the world seduces you. And I had all that stuff, fame, money, and to be able to... Uh, receive the grace from God to be able to say I don't think God created me to go out and watch uh, and just sing Jimmy Buffett songs and watch people get drunk every night um, it's that maybe use your gift to do something a little bit more powerful to help build the kingdom so now I do concerts to raise money for my mission in Haiti and uh, help lead people closer to God instead of leading them to alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> One of the great things that you see at this conference is just the healing that people experience, how people feel after confession, how people feel during and after adoration. Just seeing uh, the Lord really rejuvenate someone's soul really is a beautiful thing. Well, it did it to me. I went to confession right before my talk. I don't mm -hmm. think during my <laughs> keynote, I was like, my spirit was just troubled. I was... I was you know, if, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit just placed upon my heart that I needed to go when we were doing the praise and worship. Mm -hmm. Right when the thing started, the countdown, five, four, three, two, one. God's like, go to confession. So Father Mike <laughs> Schmitz here is just an awesome man of God. I was like, bro, I need to go to confession. He's like, I'm like, can you find a time? He's like, the time is now. Mm -hmm. So we go down and I just came back and just felt the weight off my shoulders. And I was like, it's just awesome. God frees you up, right? Oh, yeah. And definitely. so. I think that may have helped inspire a couple people to want to go to confession. So, uh, man, I'll tell you what. If, if this thing isn't leading people to the sacraments, then we shouldn't even be doing it. But mm -hmm. it does lead them to the sacraments. So. Yeah, I mean, you just look at the lines that you see after these sessions of mass, adoration. I mean, there's just, just so much enthusiasm to get there go to confession and to confess one's sins. So I want to talk a little bit about 
you know, you yourself had experienced some hurt, and obviously one of the big reasons that people refute Jesus is because people suffer. Why do you think some people kind of have a hard time getting past that aspect? Well, it's the hardest thing, right? If God loves me, why does he let me hurt? You know, so that's the great mystery of our faith, where it's like, we don't know why, but what we know is that Jesus himself suffered. And so that means, well, we're going to, and somehow through that suffering, he brings about redemption. You know, his death means I can go to heaven. Mm -hmm. So obviously that means if I'm hurting, God's building the kingdom in some way through that, which is a loving thing. So I just need to understand it and submit to it. It's easier said than done, but where else am I going to go? Because if I say, all right, heck with God because they're suffering, well then... Well, if there is no God, then suffering's not a big deal. It's whatever. We're just space debris that learn to talk, and then we die, and that's it. But if you want to find meaning in suffering, we find that in Christ. Um, otherwise, we're just—I mean, it's just, without Jesus, suffering just means hope and despair. With Jesus, it means I can find meaning in my suffering and know that it, God's using it in a redemptive way. Beautiful. Well, we've got time for just about one more question. And why don't you just give out uh, a little shout out to those who are kind of considering whether or not they want to attend a Steubenville conference next year? What would you want to tell them? Uh, you're going to die. All and right. The scripture's clear. <laughs> you don't know when it's going to happen. And my question is, are you ready for that moment? Is there a God? Is there not? Because you don't get a second chance to determine this. So based on heaven and hell, if there's a hell, you don't want to go there. If there's a heaven, that's where you want to go. But not just that. In your own life, it's like these kids came, had an encounter with God. And what did you do this weekend, right? You were looking for something. So you either played video games, played a game, did something. And that's great. But it's over. You come here, you get something that's eternal, and it stays with you always because every football game ends. Every football player's career comes to an end. And then what do you have at the end of that, man? But with Jesus, it's a lifelong journey to Mm -hmm. eternity with God. So I would say, first of all, just suck it up. Come out here realize that there's a God who created you, and he's got something to ask of you. And you, you need to find out what that is before you're 90. God made you to be alive at this moment in time. So do something with that time he's given you. Simply inspiring. Well, thank you very much, Sean Forrest, for joining me. Well, those were some great interviews all around with hosts Paul George, Nick Frank, and Sean Forrest. But stay tuned here with us on WSFI 80.5 FM Catholic Radio. We still have a topic of faith to discuss, as well as hearing a testimony from one of the youth that I caught up with at the conference. So stay tuned here at Christ's New Generation. I'm your host, John Collins. Hi, this is Brian Farley, host of Men of Christ Radio. For 10 years, through conferences, retreats, workshops, and special events, Men of Christ has been helping men to live their Catholic faith more boldly by exposing them to Catholic teaching, practices, and speakers that open eyes and change hearts. Well, now, we'll be doing it on the radio, too. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, to be specific. Tune in every first Saturday at 10 a.m. and again every first Monday at 10 p.m. right here on WSFI for Men of Christ Radio. 
spiritual warfare, the power of prayer, defending the church, and more. We'll be talking about all of it on Men of Christ Radio. For more information, go to wsficatholicradio.org. Men of Christ Radio, inspiring conversations about your faith, your family, your nation, your world, and what you, as a man of Christ, can do about it. As we got towards Christmas, one of the parishioners suggested, why don't we take out an ad on the local radio station? I have to say, I really didn't have an awful lot of optimism about it. But I was well advised. We went and we cut a little message. Once it started playing, I began to hear from the Catholics in the parish about how great this was that we're out there, how great this was that, that we are showing signs of life, how great this is to encourage us who are here in the parish already. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Listen at 7 o'clock p.m. every Tuesday to WSFI Spotlight, a half-hour conversation with outstanding Catholics from our community and around the world. WSFI Spotlight re-airs on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. or listen on demand anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit wsfiradio.org for more information. It's WSFI Spotlight, a conversation with Catholics living in the light. Only on WSFI Catholic Radio, Tuesdays at 7 o'clock p.m. Did you know you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio online? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. That's WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen Live. Good evening and welcome back to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. This is Christ's New Generation and I'm currently joined by Bishop Thomas John Paprocki of the Diocese of Springfield, Illinois. In 2013, he was inducted into Sports Faith International. He has also written a spectacular book aimed at athletes, Holy Goals for Body and Soul, Eight Steps to Connect Sports with God and Faith. In the process, he has run over 20 marathons and has played as a practice goalie with the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So without further ado, I'll bring our excellency and now, Bishop Paprocki, how are you? I'm fine. It's good to be with you. Thank you. It's, it's uh, wonderful to be here with you. So before we get into, into the specifics of today's topic, communion of saints, let's hear a little bit about yourself and how you balance a great devotion of faith while staying active in the sports world. Well, I, my family background is I grew up in a big family. I'm the third of nine children. And so there are seven boys and, and two girls in my family. And uh, so especially having a lot of brothers around, uh, there are always plenty of people to play uh, sports with. My dad was a big a sports fan and he used to take me and my siblings to hockey games and baseball games especially and and we played sports with each other and so that was a big part of growing up of course the other aspect of growing up was our faith and uh, my both of my parents are very devout Catholics and uh, made it a point to uh, make sure that we were brought into the faith and and received the instruction that we needed to be good Catholics and that we went to church regularly so some of my earliest memories as as a boy were of uh, both of those areas of uh, religion and, and faith, of going to, to church with my parents. In fact, uh, I wanted to be a priest for as long as I can remember. My mother tells me I was a, 
about four years old when I first started talking about wanting to be a priest. And my other early memories are of my dad taking us to sporting events. And uh, so those are kind of two early pillars there of our life, uh, family and, and faith and, uh, and sports. And so I think uh, I, never, I never really thought about putting them uh, together, connecting them until I, I got older and, and then my life as a priest and then began to see uh, how sports and uh, faith can relate to each other then made that uh, more of a conscious connection between the two. That's absolutely beautiful. So it sounds like for, again, as, as you had said, for as long as you remember, did you, you wanted to be a priest. Of course, now you're a bishop. When was there that time that you realized that you could not only live the devout religious life, but also be heavily active in sports? Well, I, I went to a high school seminary uh, because I had an interest in priesthood from an early age. And so our high school seminary was, was not a boarding school. I went to Quigley South in Chicago. And so I lived at home. And, and other, in most respects, other than the fact that all of the students there professed an interest in the, in the priesthood, uh, it was pretty much like a regular high school, which would had which had sporting events, and uh, and then when I went to our college seminary, our college seminary was affiliated with Loyola University. That was a boarding school. I lived at at the seminary and uh, took my classes at Loyola University in Chicago. Uh, but since we uh, resided on campus, we had a sports we had a sports program, an intramural sports program that. I eventually uh, uh, was in charge of. I was the chairman of the student athletic committee, uh, which meant that I ran the whole intramural sports program. So, uh, and we had we had the, a wide range of sports. We had uh, uh, touch football, we had softball, we had basketball, volleyball, ping pong, tennis, uh, and then I introduced my favorite sport, which was uh, floor hockey. You know, we introduced the floor hockey program uh, into the ath- athletic. Uh, intramural program and uh, so you know in the context of the seminary then so we we had uh, again just um, in addition to all the formational aspects of seminary of uh, the prayers and classes and things that we were learning about how to be a, a priest um, the, the athletic program was a big part of our our daily life and certainly a big part of, of my life as a seminarian so again there seemed to be kind of a, a very natural uh, connection between uh, uh, living a daily routine that involved a lot of sports as well as a lot of prayer. Certainly, that sounds beautiful. So we'll move now into our uh, in today's topic of faith, the communion of saints. And often the, the communion of saints and the church triumphant, the church suffering, the church militant, uh, it's sometimes related to as a team. Uh, so let's just nail it down. What is the communion of saints? Well, the communion of saints is, is the relationship between uh, all those who are saints in the eyes of God. And, uh, you know, when we talk about saints, we have to understand that uh, we're not just talking about uh, a very uh, limited number of people that are officially canonized. You know, the, the, the uh, uh, process that the church uses where uh, the person's life is examined and it culminates in declaration by the pope. Uh, that this person is is canonized a saint with a capital S. A saint is is really anyone uh, who is living in God's grace uh, and actually whether living or dead. And uh, so we refer to saints, of course, uh, to those who have, all those who have died who are in God's kingdom of heaven. But the communion of saints also extends to those of us who are alive 
because if we are we're baptized and we live in uh, God's grace and receiving the sacraments uh, then we are also living holy lives and to be holy means to be saintly and in that sense there's a relationship between those who are living and those who are dead traditionally there's been a, a distinction between you might say three aspects of the communion of saints uh, the church uh, militant would be uh, those of us who are alive here on earth militant in in the sense that we are still fighting our earthly battles uh, against uh, sin against the evil one and uh, uh, striving with God's grace to overcome the temptation uh, to sin. Secondly, we refer to the, um, the church suffering or the church penitent, which is referring to people who are in purgatory. And that's a, a belief in our faith, which, which is, it is based in scripture, uh, although the Bible does not use the word purgatory, it clearly refers, even in the Old Testament, to praying for the dead. And uh, there's no point in praying for the dead unless somehow they need our assistance. If they're already in heaven, they, they don't need our assistance. And if, they're, if the, soul, the, the, the souls of the dead are in hell, well, our prayers aren't going to help them anyway. And so the, uh, the idea, idea of purgatory stems from uh, a logical conclusion then that if we're praying for people who have died, somehow they still need our assistance. And that whole sense of purgatory that those who have died are on their way to God's kingdom, but still need to be purged, or where the word purgatory comes from, they need to be purged or purified of any punishment, temporal punishment, that is still due for the sins, even though the sins have been forgiven uh, in, the, in the sacrament of penance. And uh, then that leads, of course, then to what we call the church triumphant, and the church triumphant would be the communion of saints in heaven, those who have not only died, but either passed through purgatory or have been admitted directly to heaven because they uh, are, are in God's grace and are ready to spend all eternity with God in heaven. And so we call that triumphant because they have, they have uh, triumphed. They are the victors over the struggles and the fights that uh, we had to experience here on earth in the church militant. So that's a kind of a basic rundown of our understanding of the communion of saints. And so when we pray, for example, our prayers of worship and adoration are, are directed to God, but our prayers of intercession are directed to the saints, uh, to the saints, uh, including our loved ones who have died and are now in heaven. We pray for the intercession of angels and our Blessed Mother and other saints who, because we are part of the communion of saints, they intercede uh, with God on our behalf uh, so that we can have God's grace to be triumphant ourselves over these uh, the struggles that face us and the temptations of life. Certainly, very well articulated. So, you know, we find that there the, there are the three tiers you could say of the communion of saints. There's the militant, there's the suffering, and there's the triumphant. And we can all interact with each other. So, how can we help the Church of Suffering, those in purgatory, while the Church triumphant assists us? Well, we can help uh, the church suffering or the church penitent by praying for them. And then so the, the church actually uh, designates two days, specifically uh, November 1st, the Feast of All Saints, is when we honor the church uh, triumphant, those who, who are in God's kingdom. And again, not just those who are canonized saints, because throughout the year we have uh, you know, days that are designated as, as feast days. 
and are commemorated as such in the church. But uh, All Saints would be everyone, especially those who don't have a particular feast day for them, and, and including those who are not canonized saints officially, but un unknown to us, are already enjoying the presence of God's kingdom. Uh, November 2nd is All Souls Day, and that's the day specifically set aside for praying for the souls in purgatory. But then, in fact, the, the, the entire month of November, in a sense, is dedicated to praying for, for all souls. And so it's very uh, typical in parishes throughout the month uh, to remember in our tensions uh, prayers for, for those who have died. We can also pray for them throughout the year. You know, we can offer prayers, we can offer rosaries, uh, and uh, we can also apply indulgences to the souls in purgatory. And what an indulgence is, and a lot of people mistakenly uh, think that uh, uh, somehow the Church has repealed its teaching on indulgence, and that's, that's simply not true. Uh, the Church has purified its teaching on indulgence. Uh, there were some abuses uh, 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 the, of indulgences uh, several centuries ago that actually led to the, the Protestant Reformation, but uh, the Church very quickly with the Council of Trent made sure that those abuses were addressed and uh, that the spiritual aspects of indulgences be properly emphasized. And so uh, what that is, is uh, as I referred to earlier, even though our sins are forgiven when we receive the uh, sacrament of penance, when we go to confession, there's still a, a sense of temporal punishment that uh, we need to be purified of uh, before we uh, have the, the great gift of the beatific vision of seeing, seeing God face to face uh, in heaven. And so uh, the, the Church, through various practices, offers uh, uh, indulgences, which are ways for which we can receive either a partial indulgence, which removes some of that temporal punishment that is owed, or we can get a plenary indulgence, which removes uh, all of the temporal punishment that is owed. And by performing those, those various practices, you, we can receive one plenary indulgence per day, but a person uh, is also able to apply that plenary indulgence not just for himself or herself, but also for the souls and uh, in, in purgatory. So for example, I mean, we are currently in, in the Jubilee Year of Mercy. It's an extraordinary year. Normally a Jubilee Year occurs like every 25 years, and this is a biblical concept also in the Old Testament, which is a forgiveness of debt, the debt of sin. And the special Jubilee that Pope Francis declared this year of mercy is commemorating the 50th anniversary of the, of the end of the Second Vatican Council. And so uh, there are various practices by which one can obtain this uh, plenary indulgence during the year of mercy. Uh, in each diocese, the Pope has uh, said that each bishop can designate uh, a holy door, as they call it. And in most dioceses, that is being done in the main cathedral and perhaps some other prominent churches or basilicas in the diocese, but that holy door is a door designated where people who pass through that door uh, and then offered and fulfilled the other conditions for plenary indulgence, namely going to confession within a week or so of the uh, action that is being performed and then receiving Holy Communion and saying the Apostles' Creed and offering some prayers, the Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be for the intention of the Holy Father. And in doing that, it I, I, what I try to emphasize with people that uh, the action that we perform, like walking through a door, it's it's not like magic. You walk through the door and then some, some kind of a magical event takes place. It's, it's a spiritual transformation, and part of that uh, spiritual transformation would be for us to reflect on the symbolic 
nature of what's taking place, like walking through a doorway. So the holy door, someone is walking in from the outside world into the church. Well, symbolically, what that's all about is we're walking out of the world of sin into a spiritual world. So we're, as, we're, as we're passing through that door, the holy door, that's what we should be thinking about and praying about. I'm leaving sin behind me, and I'm entering into the, the world of God's grace. And, and that's the world where I want to stay. That's the world where I want to remain in. And so a, a part of obtaining that indulgence is uh, leave be, leaving behind all attachment to sin. And, and that's what's exactly taking place when, when we're going through that holy door, is, is we should be praying that we would leave behind us all those attachments to sin and, and uh, only be attached to God's grace and living in, in God's grace. Certainly very, very well said. Uh, so before we move into Lexio Divina, well, I, I have just one last question for you, and I'm talking about saints here, both with the, with the big S and with the little s. But uh, a very common Protestant argument against saints is that Catholics, quote-unquote, worship them. Uh, how do you answer this challenge of faith? Well, we don't worship uh, saints, and I think we have, we have to go back to uh, uh, the, uh, what, um, the whole sense of intercession. So when we pray, we pray to saints, not in adoration, uh, not to give them glory that only belongs to God. We have to distinguish the different, different forms of prayer. Uh, we can we give glory, we give praise, we give thanksgiving, we pray for repentance of our sins, uh, and so we can, we can, we do all of those with God. But we can also pray uh, to saints for their intercession, and what that means is that they are, they're praying on our behalf. Even even those who are dead, they're in heaven. They they can still pray to God. Uh, they're in God's presence, and they can pray to God on our behalf. And uh, this is where I think if, if I can go back to the reference to, to sports and, and make this uh, clear connection between uh, some of the analogies here between sports and the life of faith. You know, in, in the, the world of sports, particularly in team sports, we see the importance of people helping each other. You know, that a team can have a lot of very uh, skilled athletes, and I've seen this. I've seen this on teams where they have superstars, uh, but the team doesn't win. <laughs> Uh, because the, the, the stars are too much concerned about themselves. The teams that win are those who are helping each other. And, uh, and, and the church is the same way. The church is a team in that sense where uh, w we are in this struggle against evil. We're in this together. And the whole idea of, of church and the people of God being a community effort is something we see even in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, uh, God uh, refers to uh, the people of Israel. God's call, his commandments, are, are given to the people and not as individuals. Their worship is as a people. And, and so uh, Christ continues that that's, uh, tradition and he, he takes it to the next level then uh, with his uh, salvation, on the, his death on the cross and the resurrection that he brings us uh, into that state where we are able to uh, to intercede for each other and pray for uh, each other, and in, in this way, you know, it's it's not even in, even though we can pray individually at times, we can say an individual rosary, we can offer private prayers. Ultimately, though, we're part of uh, the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is made up of the communion of saints. We're we're all helping each other, and that's specifically how. How Jesus wanted it. He instructed us to pray. He said, we pray our Father. We're praying together uh, and in this way that we strengthen each other because individually 
standing isolated and alone, uh, we, we cannot succeed. But together, uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ, with Christ as our head, uh, we, we will be triumphant and overcome uh, the temptations of the evil one. Beautiful. So we'll move on now to Lexio Divina. And uh, the verse that we've got here is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 through 31. So I'll read through it first. And then if you would like to either read through it again in a more penitent way or kind of piece it apart and what, uh, what the Word of God is trying to tell us, feel free to do so with, you, uh, with what you want. Um, okay. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I'll read uh, a slightly different translation uh, here. This is from the New American Bible, which is on the, the website of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. So it starts, the foolishness of God is wiser than human, human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Consider your own calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Rather, God chose the foolish of the world to shame the wise, and God chose the weak of the world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly and despised of the world those who count for nothing, to reduce to nothing those who are something, so that no human being might boast before God. It is due to him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, as well as righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, whoever boasts should boast in the Lord. That's a that's a gorgeous scripture passage. So, what do you take out of this uh, out of this inscription from the Word of God? Well, I, there there are several very uh, beautiful and powerful messages here. Uh, the first part of it, talking about uh, the foolishness of God being wiser than human wisdom. I mean, we all know we all know very smart people, and. Uh, and uh, you know there are people that are you know perhaps when going to school, uh, those who stood out as the intellectual giants in our classes, and sometimes we read books and see how intelligent people uh, can be. Uh, and what the what the scriptures reminding us here is even the most intelligent person on earth um, is you know God's foolishness is is even greater than that. And then um, in contrast. Uh, St. Paul here talks about the weakness of God, if we can even imagine. God, in a sense, is not weak at all, but if you were to imagine if, if there is any possibility that God could be weak, well, then that's stronger than the strongest human being possible. So it just shows the, the, the contrast, the transcendent nature of God uh, greater than, than we are. And, um, and then it also uh, 
uh, I think uh, brings up a very good good point here that relates to the world of sports uh, as as well as everything that we do in life. I mean, I, it's a good reminder to us that whatever we achieve, we only achieve it with God's help. You know, and so like in a sporting event, for example, or taking a test in class or some big project at work, uh, we can go into that recognizing uh, our need for God's help and we can pray then and say, God, I have this big challenge ahead of me. Uh, I need your help. I need your grace. Um, and then we, we have to use our own efforts, uh, praying that God will give us his grace in order to, to make our effort be fruitful. Uh, but then in the end, if we are successful with whatever we do, uh, then to give that glory to God. And I think too often um, we forget that. And when we achieve something, it's, it's so easy to say, oh, look what I did, uh, my great accomplishment. And instead of, uh, instead of saying, well, uh, thank you for answering my prayers, Lord, and it was only through your grace that I was able to do uh, what I was able to do. And uh, you know, so we see a reminder, a very clear reminder of that in, an, in another scripture passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 115, which starts out saying, not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name, give, give the glory. And so I think that's a, that's a very good reminder to us anytime we achieve something, and, and again, whether that's in the world of sports or in academics or in our professional lives, uh, in our careers, our families, when we, we are able to, to do that, to say uh, that it's God who des deserves all the glory for making that happen. Certainly, and that's a that's a very beautiful and uh, articulated uh, take on uh, this wonderful passage from Scripture. So we're coming down to the waning moments of our second segment uh, focused on the communion of saints. Could you give us a final blessing as we close it down? Certainly. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you for your gifts and blessings that come upon us and for helping us to realize that all the glory is due to you and so we help ask you to help us with your grace uh, to be triumphant over our struggles against sin and to be uh, victorious uh, in our efforts that through your grace we can achieve your will and may almighty god bless all of our listeners all those listening to this program and to our our reflections may god bless you the father and the son and the holy spirit amen thank you very much Bishop Papraki. So that is it for the second segment on the Communion of Saints. We'll be moving in to the last part of our show, the testimony. Stay here with us on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. This is Christ's New Generation. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Are you retired or near retirement? 
Do you want to keep a larger amount of your assets in a safe place with guaranteed interest rates to protect yourself from a huge market swing? Are you amazed at how low the interest rates are at your bank? If you said yes to any or all of those questions, you may want to call me, Matt Tomlinson, at Catholic Financial Life to discuss our guaranteed fixed rate annuities. Call 847-548-MATT, 847-548-6288. Products not available in all states. Hello, I'm Joe Scheidler, host of Pro-Life Today on WSFI Catholic Radio 88.5 FM. It's a half-hour conversation with leaders in the pro-life movement committed to protecting the most vulnerable among us. That's every Monday at 3.30 p.m. Or listen anytime by subscribing to our podcast. Visit WSFIRadio.org for more information. That's Pro-Life Today, every Monday at 3.30 p.m. only on WSFI Catholic Radio. Did you know that you can listen to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio from anywhere in the world? Our live internet stream is available at WSFIRadio.org. Just click on Listen Live. We also stream on the TuneIn mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. For iPhone and iPad users, visit the App Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. For Android users, visit the Google Play Store, download the TuneIn app, sign up for a free account, and then search for WSFI. Click Follow to add us to your profile. Need help? Call us at 224-206-8455. That's 224-206-8455. Steve Angrisano. I think Catholic Radio is so important to the culture of our communities and our church because really, uh, I know in my own family, we listen to Catholic Radio in the car with the kids. It brings up things that we can talk about. It allows our faith to be not just a Sunday faith, but an everyday faith. And I think that's so important. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. Are you enjoying this WSFI local program and want to share it with others? Visit WSFICatholicRadio.org and click on Listen, Then Programming. That's WSFI Catholic Radio, Listen, Then Programming. Thank you very much for staying with us here as we come to the latter part of our show as uh, we've got a testimony from one of the youth that we actually have here at the Steubenville Conference. He's a lead member, Kevin Schaefer. Kevin, how you doing? Pretty good. Awesome. Good to be here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great conference. Uh, we were actually both in the lead program. We had some great experiences. But, uh, Kevin, we'll just kick it off with how long have you been Catholic? I've been Catholic all my life. I, you know, was born and raised Catholic, but... I never really truly owned my faith until I went to my first Steubenville conference. That was uh, two years ago now. 
Certainly, that sounds awesome. And actually, one of the experiences you had there is that you felt a call the devoted life of the priesthood. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so that I experienced that call last year. I just, on that Saturday night there at that conference, I just, I experienced Jesus in just like an amazingly powerful way. You know, I just felt his love rush over me, and it was just amazing. And then that Sunday morning after Mass, the bishop did an altar call for religious life. He started with, he started by calling up females that were, that felt a call to serve their religious life as a religious sister. And at that moment, I, I knew what was coming up. I knew the pre, I knew he was going to call for the priesthood sooner or later. And mm-hmm. I just kind of, at that moment, I felt Jesus was tugging on my heart, telling me he wanted me, he wanted me to go up there. So sure enough, next thing I know, the bishop calls for people who are discerning the priesthood. Up to that point, I always told myself I was open to it. And at that moment, God just said, okay, prove it. So the bishop called us up there. Jesus took my hand, walked me right up there. I looked around, and I was just like, whoa, you know, this is, this is amazing that God called me to do this, and it was just such an honor. Yeah, definitely. And I've been to multiple Studentville conferences, and when it comes up to that moment, it is just so powerful to just see hundreds of young women and hundreds of young men being called by the Lord to discern the life of of the ordained life, to completely give of yourself, of chastity and obedience and poverty, all for the Lord. But obviously, discerning the priesthood, it's a big task and one that you have to be obviously quite prayerful in. How are some ways that you pray to God, or what's, what are some of your prayer habits? I've been discerning for, you know, just over a year now, and it's kind of always been on the back burner in my mind. You know, it wasn't really taking center stage until recently. But basically, I just, I prayed about it. I opened my heart up to God to let him do whatever, whatever he wanted to in my life. There were doubts I had. One of them, for example, it felt like being a priest was just like a lonely vocation. And I didn't really want to be lonely all my life. And I went to a discernment barbecue in my diocese. And immediately I saw all the fellowship with all those priests who were there. And that just completely wiped out that doubt in my mind. I had another self-doubt as to, you know, like, why would God want me to serve mm-hmm. as a priest? Like, why? what makes me so special? I'm not worthy. And then everywhere I looked, I saw there were this one quote. It goes, the Lord doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So that really hit me to know that in that moment, I knew I wasn't priestly material, but I knew that I could be, and that was very powerful. Inspiring, quite simply inspiring. And we're actually running out of time here on the show, so I'm going to ask you uh, one more question before we close it down. What are you looking towards the future to do with uh, your discernment of the priesthood? Well, I'm going into my senior year in high school, so I got to start figuring out colleges and stuff, and now I'm I finally found that 
The priesthood is actually something I kind of want to do. I really want to look into that more. So I'm definitely going to be discerning really hard to figure out, to see if maybe God's calling me to the priesthood. And if I figure out if I need to go to the seminary right away or God wants me for another vocation, I'm just, I just need to discern and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Open to whatever he's got for you. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me here. This has been an episode of Christ's New Generation here on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. May God bless you and keep you. This has been an episode of Christ's New Generation on WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio. For more information about this program, visit WSFICatholicRadio.org.